0: This podcast is Shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Today on Shareable, my guest is Sarah Ohannison. If you don't know who she is, she is my business partner in Super Productive. I've known Sarah for gosh, a decade at this point, maybe more. Uh we first met when she was a client of mine back when I had my uh, social media marketing agency and not only are we um, have we had a professional relationship for many years, we've also become really good friends over the years so you'll hear that in our rapport. We've done scavenger hunts where we ran over all over Philadelphia together and um, and just generally have become good friends. And then when Uh, I went out on my own and she went out on her own. We decided to partner up and form Super Productive. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about some really cool things that uh, she and I are working on. Uh, So full disclosure, you know, we work together. We are going to be talking a little bit about the work we do together. Uh, But I think it'll be interesting for you because what we're going to cover in our conversation today is we're going to talk a little bit about Neuro inclusion, neurodiversity. If you don't know what that is, we'll explain it when we get into the episode. But the idea is, as someone with ADHD and who is on the autism spectrum myself, and working with Sarah, my business partner, who is typically uh, considered uh, neurotypical—that's that's what it's generally called—we work together exceptionally well. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that works, why that works, and some of the things that we're doing professionally uh, based on some of the understandings that we've learned from working together. So if you work with other people, which is all of you listening, you're going to want to listen to this episode because you're going to learn a little something about different types of brains at work. And, uh, and I think it'll be really valuable for you. You might understand your coworker a little better. You might understand yourself a little bit better in the way you work with others. And uh, if you find it valuable, great. But if you find it valuable, the best thing you can do is share this episode. And I guess that would make this episode shareable. All right, here we are on shareable. And today my guest is Sarah. Sarah, what is up? I'm so glad to have you on the show and chatting uh, on Shareable.
1: Yeah, it's great to be back.
0: Yeah. So um, I figured I would just bring you on because we're doing so many different things. You know, I I often find myself like teetering on the edge of burnout with all the different things that I'm working on, all different things I'm doing. And then we're constantly adding more things on and taking things off of our plate. But you and I. Are constantly thinking of new things, new ways to upgrade our business, new ways to push things forward. And I thought it'd be a good idea just to talk about some of those things because every time either of us bring it up, uh, some of these things that we're doing together with other people, they're like, wow, that's so interesting. Tell me more. So I thought today would be a good idea to just bring you on and we'll chat a bit about that. So um, I guess to start with, for anybody who missed your previous appearance or who isn't familiar with our work together, uh, give a, just a brief introduction of who you are and, and what you do kind of in general terms.
1: Yeah. So I started my company as so productive, which is yes, my initials. And also I want you to be so productive. And that's a business, you know, consulting firm. And what we do is we help people get more done during the workday so that they can spend more time with the people that They love. And I do one on one coaching and corporate consulting and a a professional speaker in that space. So, what happened was, um, as Jeff, you know well, is that I became certified in Asana, the task management software Asana, and started getting clients in that space. And then came to you with certain clients because there was this need for the master strategist to get involved. And I just thought, if Jeff is working with my clients, the clients are going to have a really great experience, but also a better end product. So what started in in my business by myself as, you know, a lot of individual coaching, some corporate training, and now being able to do that on the super productive side with you, I think just has been a tremendous experience for clients. So a a solo business has now morphed into having a solo business, but also that business that I have with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I've loved about watching the work that you were doing prior to us linking up is how much of your work was steeped in helping people to get more done, but also that thing that I mentioned before about burnout, really being present and thoughtful about burnout and how to simultaneously get more work done, but also not push it so far that you were risking your health, me- mental, physical, et cetera. So just to kind of set the groundwork, which I think we can build off of, why was it important to you to address burnout as part of your productivity? Because a lot of people get into productivity consulting and it is just get more done. It is how to manage task lists, how to manage your calendar, get more done, push, 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 push. But you have always from the first day that you started this business, I remember you had burnout included in that and and helping people to avoid it and being thoughtful about it. So why why was that part of it for you?
1: well we often teach what we need right and and so for, i have been a victim of burnout myself i've struggled with that on and off at different points in in my career and so you know when i was starting to face that throughout different points in my career and i would find those productivity tools and tips and hacks and all those little things there were some some of them work beautifully and some of them didn't so much and what i realized was the 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 ones that didn't work quite as well, they weren't addressing a larger issue at play, which was, I'm stuck being so busy, I am facing burnout. So... Having overcome that, and and, and I got to have full disclosure here, there are times where I still face it, right? You know, I'm, I'm not totally out of the weeds on this, but I can recognize more easily when that burnout might be creeping up on me. And so what I always thought was important was, one, I need it myself, but because I've lived through this and I can see it coming and, and try to prevent it from happening in the future, I have a responsibility to help other people fight their burnout As well, so it came from just pure necessity on my part. But then also, I realized this is just isn't about being busy. This isn't about just getting more done. There's a a real underlining, and actually, burnout is officially recognized by the World Health Organization. So there's a real health concern going on here with burnout, and unfortunately, I see it on the rise. I see it with more and more clients. We see it with more and more people that we talk to. So it's a major issue, and one that I just I knew it had to be part of the problem that I solve.
0: I'm curious what burnout looks like to you. And I ask that because one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how you and I complement one another in in work in many ways because we have different brains, because we approach things differently, because we approach our work, our life. We approach things from um, different vantage points sometimes. I think we have a lot of shared values, but I think where we differ is sort of what our brains feel comfortable with and what we gravitate towards. What, what, what is our blankie? They're different, right? Like what makes you feel comfort sometimes brings me anxiety and vice versa. And I'm curious if then that manifests in the way that burnout shows up for you. So I'd first be curious to hear sort of what are the leading indicator signs that you see as, and and let me actually set the stage. I think this is probably a good point in, in which to set the stage about this conversation before I ask the question. So we're talking about neurodiversity, right? And and one of the reasons you and I talk about that is that because I have ADHD and I'm on the autism spectrum, the way that um, I approach my work, the way that I'm able to um, either executive function or not executive function is different from the way that you do. The way that I process information is different. The amount of information I can store in my mind at a given time is smaller. So we approach our work differently and you you fall on the side of the spectrum that is typically defined as more neurotypical. You can handle uh, things in sequential order. You can kind of uh, manage things more in your brain. You can retain more information. Um, So we approach things kind of differently and that complement really helps us to thrive. So I guess what I'm looking at is when we're not at our best, when we are both fading into our burnout, I think that probably looks different. And that only recently occurred to me. So I'm actually curious, since I don't really know what a neurotypical brain feels like. I'm curious, what are sort of the leading indicators that you know, you're on a path to burnout?
1: Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And I hope this answer helps. You know, I hope if you're listening to this, you can sort of start to recognize these things in yourself because I think a lot of this is about self-awareness and especially for someone, you know, a neurotypical person who really can take a lot on. Like I have a very large capacity for how much I can store my brain, how much I can keep track of it one time, how much I can take on, how much work I am capable. I am capable of working many, many hours of the day, the night, and the weekend. So I think because of that, what happens to me is I have this burnout buildup. It just builds and builds and builds. And then one day I like literally crash and burn. So it manifests as I get sick I will, you know, just have like a migraine one day, not feel well. Um, I've also had it where, you know, let's be honest, we just have an ugly cry every once in a while. And for me, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it feels like there was a huge buildup to that moment of burnout. And that can happen briefly. It could also happen for a few days. So for me, it's really, it's really manifested in a very physical way for me.
0: Would you say that, um, do you ever have when 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 you hit the burnout are you sitting there wishing you could still be working are you completely fried is it a shutdown in your brain or is the brain still going like i'm curious kind of the what's happening inside um cuz i can when i think about burnout myself it's it's a very internal process like i can i can explain what's happening in my mind better than i can explain what's happening in my body maybe um or yeah, so I'm curious when you get to that point, what's it feel like inside?
1: It feels like guilt. It feels like I should be able to do more. I should press on. I often joke, but this—it's a—you it's a, joke about things that are real, right? I'm a Swedish. German heritage, Midwestern gal at heart. And so because of that, like I often say, I was bred to be busy and to work hard and just keep going, you know, like we're, we're tough. And I think because of that, when I do face those moments of weakness, what feel like weakness, it feels, I feel guilty. I feel bad about it. I feel like I'm letting somebody down. I feel like I'm letting myself down. I feel like I'm supposed to have an ROI of every single hour of the day and so when my body might physically say, you're sick, we are sh- shutting down right now, I feel bad about it. I really do. There's a lot of guilt that comes with that.
0: So one of the things you pointed out kind of early on in talking about burnout for yourself was that you can store a lot of things. Like you, you're my, my wife refers to this as her mental load, right? Like that she's just got so much in her mind that she's tracking and she can remember it all. And that's interesting to me because when I think about burnout, and how it manifests for me is that I have a tendency like you to take on too many things. I, and for me, I think it comes from a place of I get excited about like everything and I can see all of the amazing possibilities of it. And I've already strategized 80% of how we're going to make this the next biggest thing, whatever. So I take on 15 projects that there's no way I have time to get to. And I take on all of that. And then there's all of the little things where I jump off of a call and say, Oh, I'll get back to you right after that call. This So I have, a mental list but everything on that list save two or three things is kind of fuzzy or grayed out so i have a giant mental load of complete nonsense and and blurred out whatever so i get burned out even at the thought of trying to clarify what are all of those things and and get my list in focus for long enough that i can externalize it and then begin to work through it right so what eventually happens is that i don't do that and then i just executive dysfunction shut down i just get nothing done and maybe take a nap. And then I wake up and then I'll like burn through like 40 hours of work in like six hours. That's how it shows up for me is like, I just, I don't even actually work myself into burnout. I almost like don't work myself into burnout. I almost think my way into burnout. So I'm curious for you what it looks like because you have that list. Is it similar in the sense that you're burning up, but the difference is, is that your list is not fuzzy.
1: Unfortunately, my list is crystal clear. And I think because of that, the the overwhelm can set in because there are so many things that are cataloged so well in my head. And I think we've talked about this with your wife as well. I worry about things. i'm I'm worrying about clients. I'm worrying about, you know, did the bills get paid? Did you know, did we do a good job with that? are are people happy with us? So not only do I have this crystal clear list of things and I know how much is on our plate. I know what we have to do this week and next week and probably the week after, I also have an attachment of worry to all of those things. There's a level of just, is everything okay that that works with everything that we're doing?
0: Does it help in any way? to know everything that's on that list when you're confronted with the option of taking on something else. Because I know we I've sometimes had to be the person to tell you, no, Sarah, you can't do that thing. You're booked up. And I know that you're ambitious and you want to do things, but I would imagine that like, if you can see that your list has a hundred items on it and somebody comes with that hundred and first, that if you at least knew what was on that list, it'd be easier to say, well, I have all these things. I can't take on that. For me, I find sometimes I just say yes instinctively because I've completely forgotten that I have a list because it's just a big fuzzy gray matter of stuff. And it it's either in my systems or it's like cloudy in my head. Does it help at all to have that clarity in your mind of all those things that are on your list when it comes to saying no? Or is it, is it that there's still some friction there and you feel like you have to say yes?
1: Well, there's always friction. It always feels like I sh- I should, right? I think should is the operative word here. I should do that thing. I-, I want to do that thing a lot of the times. The list is is paramount in my success here because without it, I couldn't really anticipate the future. So luckily, Jeff, you've built us a wonder- wonderful internal Asana system that we use with our team. And because of that, I can project out. And just last week, I had something pop up and I thought, let me go into Asana. Let me look at the next few weeks. And I actually did have to say consciously no to something. And again, I think the key there is being conscious about it. If you don't know what's coming up, you don't know on your, what's on your list, you don't know how the next few months are shaping up, it's really easy to say yes to things. And and, and maybe, again, you, you're excited about it, you want to. But I love to always go back to, I want to say yes to this thing, but what is the reality of our capacity. And we're doing a lot of work right now in the workload management space. And I think that that's been a really powerful tool for us because we can't say yes to everything. We know that. And now we have some data and these lists to actually project out and help us make a very, very conscious decision. And I feel less guilt when I'm consciously saying, I I know we can't put that on the team right now.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about how the workload side of things and sort of your ability to manage that for our team, how that kind of dovetails into the work we're now doing with Brains at Work. I want to talk about Brains at Work. I don't think I've talked about it publicly yet. Uh, And I think it's time we talk about it because we just started giving the presentation. I'm really proud of what we've put together so far. So let's talk a bit about that and maybe find a way to connect the work that we've done, talking about the burnout, talking about the different brain types and the ways we've worked together into why we put together Brains at Work. So let's start here. What is Brains at Work? What is this thing that we're doing? Introduce it for me.
1: So what I'm most excited about Brains at Work is fundamentally, this is a new keynote speech that we're putting out into the world. What it means for the world is after this 60 minute keynote, what it means is creating safer places at work, giving people permission to really be themselves at work. So, you know, on paper, it's a keynote. We've got workshops that are going to supplement this. Obviously, we have consulting work that can come off of this, but it's really meant to be a conversation starter more than anything else is let's just talk about what neurodiversity is, what it means for people on the team and some tips on what can we do in the workplace to you know open up let's let's talk more about and have open communication about neurodiversity.
0: Do you happen to remember when we first had our not about brains at work. Going back further than that, do you remember the first time in our working together when we discovered this difference of our brain types and what how that made our team special. Do you remember the first kind of open conversation of be, me being like, well, here's how my brain works or you saying, well, I need it this way. And I go, well, I like it that way. Do you remember like the first time we had that happen? Because we're we're going up there on this in this talk and we're telling people about creating safe places to work, letting people be themselves. But do you actually remember how it began for us?
1: Well, we've been friends for over 10 years, so it happened a really long time ago. And I mean that not from a perspective of we were open and talking about it, but I think we always knew. And I think it's one of the reasons I gravitated towards you is I hired you right back back to be a consultant because your brain was different than mine. Your thinking was different than mine. Your capabilities were different than mine. When I needed to strategize or brainstorm something, I knew that you would come into that meeting and deliver 100% of the time. So I think even back then, that difference was what was attractive. I was like, oh, I need that because I need to solve a problem and I need somebody to think about it differently than I will. So I think I knew about our differences a decade ago. But in our work together, you know, I think, again, it's not for me one day that I remember it, but I remember talking openly about it with clients and you saying, I've got ADHD and I'm on the autism spectrum. And when clients would almost light up when you said that and I remember people saying, me too, or smiling on the, you know, the the smiles coming through on Zoom and saying, Oh my gosh, Jeff, I, I'm so grateful you said that and you're honest about it and talking about it. And that's really when I remember seeing it was almost through the eyes of clients and clients going, Well, we have to work with you because we're relating to one of you so much, and even seeing that different members of the team were relating to sometimes me, sometimes you, sometimes something in the middle. And seeing their reaction, like their physical reactions on Zoom was just uh, such an interesting experience.
0: Yeah, I would say that that was probably one of the maybe three things, I guess I would say that that really led me to believe in this keynote that we were putting together. So, you know, the keynote being a tag team keynote, you and I get on stage, we kind of deliver this talk where we discuss you know, the ideas of what neurodiversity is, like what the spectrum of neurodiversity is, sort of how sometimes uh, people's brains look different ways and and they react to things in different ways and creating an environment of potentially, well, at least trying to encourage people to be understanding and create safety for people to work in the ways that they need to work, right? So I remember a couple of times just sharing that with clients because I'm generally very open uh, about these things. So I remember that being one. The second is I remember you sharing Stories about your prior work experience working with people who were clearly somewhere on the neurodiversity spectrum and how it began as something frustrating for you until you had sort of an aha moment and realized that the difference wasn't a problem, it was an opportunity. And when you began to look at it as an opportunity and really play your role the way you needed to play it so that they could play their role. You, and I think it was, you said you read Rocket Fuel, right? Like, wasn't that one of the things that kind of like the light bulb went off?
1: Yeah, it's a book right behind me. You can you can see it here. You know, Jeff and I are on video. Um, it's a book that I go back to often because it's so solidified the fact that when our brains are different, when we do things differently, when we have a different perspective, that's the beauty of the relationship. That's the strength. You know, how many times have you said, Jeff, Sarah's the yin to my yang that's why we're good together because we're not looking at it the same way and i think that book was one of the first times that i could then express i you know I, I started to to feel i was like something's going on here that book helped me express and then actually have the ability to talk about it with my business partners then um more openly to say ah i see what's going on here this is actually our superpower
0: yeah i'm i'm so excited about this talk and giving it more broadly um, I think one of the things that when we went into it, I was really, it um, was very present for me that I felt we had to deliver on was that because you and I have been friends for 10 years, we've worked with each other for so long and you have the experience you do and the openness that you do, the aha moments and, and the the ability to work with people who have a brain that functions differently. I think there's a bit of a danger and, and also, you know, to acknowledge that we both hold like very privileged positions in society and everything that like makes it easier for both of us in some ways, we have less barriers. So we have all of that, right? And we have to go up there and deliver this talk about creating environments of safety. And it's very easy to say, well, Sarah makes it very safe for me. It's like, well, yeah, we've been friends for 10 years. We get along really well. Like there's no, there's not friction here, right? And I think one of the challenges is, is a lot of what we're advocating for about creating safety is sometimes environments that are somewhat hostile to people that break out of the the mold or, or the expectation and that those expectations being placed on people who may really be caused a lot of suffering and harm to go through that, it's very difficult to open people's eyes to creating that safety. So I think part of what makes our talk powerful is really your experience of explaining how to get to that mindset um how do if you're in the position where you are you know so neurotypical standards tend to dominate work culture right and you've created an environment where the people you work with can all show up as themselves and i think you've been able to really break that down a lot like how do you get there so you know we don't have a lot of time left on our show today so I think as a place to kind of wrap up before we talk about a few other things before we go, I was hoping maybe you could share one or two things that you've learned in your experience, You know, either in your previous experience as a CMO, your experience working with me, your experience working with clients, how you've been able to have the mindset to create a space that's safe for people. I mean, people open up to you all the time. Like they tell you their life story on calls. You're like, I'm not your therapist. So, but how, what's the mindset? How do you create that space?
1: Well, one, I'm I'm naturally curious about people, and so I I think as a manager over so many years, and I have managed hundreds of di- different types of people, and so I have this natural curiosity, and and selfishly, very selfishly, I want to get to know you and how you can perform your best because ultimately that benefits me, right, and the company. So, you know, it it it's been a tremendous thing. For me to get the best out of people when I can give them the space to be their best, right? You know, in the keynote, we talk about suffering, true suffering. And one, I'm a nice person, I don't want anybody suffering, I don't want anyone around me to be suffering but if you are suffering you can't also be your best self at work. And so I think a lot about a lot of this is about it comes back to productivity. I want to get a lot out of people. If you're suffering, if you if you're struggling to get the work done because of the environment that I have set up for you, like that's not good for anybody, right? So I think you know it really is this curiosity of learning about people, but then starting to understand what they need to be their best and that's a win for them and a win for me and that's just it's been a beautiful experience to kind of have that have that happen um Jeff I also want to just touch on one thing you said earlier you said you know there's no friction there's no friction but I want to be crystal clear that that doesn't mean it's not frustrating as hell sometimes right yeah and so I think, you know, it's 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 easy for us to be like, well, we're friends and we've done this. Yeah, but like Jeff will like sometimes drive me insane, right? But we also have that very open communication where I can say, what you did is making me crazy, but let's talk about that. So, you know, don't don't mistake our like wonderful relationship and our ability to run a successful business together to think like, oh, it's easy for them. It's easy every day. It's not but we also we work really hard at this and i think that ability to recognize in each other like are you okay do you need something more from me today how is that making you feel and and being able to have that safe environment with each other we do that very very consciously and it's not always easy
0: i'm so glad you brought that up as as a point before i wanted to say something i was i had a thought in my mind and then you said that and it i think it actually is a perfect way to set up this um in my book the lovable leader Because you had mentioned, you know, you want to get a lot out of people, right? Like you want them to be productive. You want to, you know, serve the team, serve the goals. That could sound very like hyper capitalist. Like I want to get the most out of people. But I think what's unspoken in there, and I think what it is that you just touched on, is the element that I address in The Lovable Leader, which is care, right? Like you genuinely care about me, you genuinely care about the people that you work with, you don't want anyone to suffer. And when you say, be at their best, what we're talking about is understanding their goals, understanding our goals, finding a way to align that, your point about like win-win, understand their goals, be curious about how they need to work to thrive, be curious about what it is they're trying to accomplish, and then find a way to create alignment between what it is that we want, what it is that they want, and find a way to make sure that we're creating an environment that people are feeling meaning and purpose in that work towards their own goals, which at the same time, mutually satisfy what we're all trying to accomplish. And especially as the work that we do at Super Productive, where, you know, we're not just building Asana workspaces for people. I really am proud of the fact that like in every initial sales conversation, we do say we are not just building you an Asana workspace out of the box. We are understanding each person on your team, how they need to see information so that they can thrive. And we're thinking about the entire neurodiversity spectrum of what it is that people need. And we want to encourage you to build your space in a way where there's no singular right way, but there's an adaptable system to individual people. And that comes back to this idea of what it is that that you were mentioning, which is that it's about creating a situation where people can give their best, but you do that by being curious and caring first. And and I think Mm -hmm. what follows that is you do great work. And profitability and things like that follow. So I appreciate Hundred percent Yeah. We're just I I appreciate that that is it's crystallized in my book, but you you really exemplify it in the way that you are explaining those things and the way that you look back at your history uh, and career, and and those things are just really present there. Um, so you know, I always appreciate you. I love working out working with you. It's it's just it's so rewarding. Um, all right, a couple things to close out. And I think there's some other things that we're working on. I want to just share with people. Um And, you know, it's not a standard interview format like I I normally do. I normally have a bunch of questions, but I'll ask you a few of them um, since I'm always curious. And we don't often spend enough time just kind of like shooting the breeze and talking about like stuff that we're into. But like, what's, um, is there anything you've read lately that you want to share with people that you think is worth reading?
1: Well, in, in research for our new keynote, I read Unmasking Autism, Devin Price, and it was it was really eye-opening for me. And I think, again, back to being curious all of the time, I will never stop learning. I will never stop reading. I will always be like a student of the world. And I just want to learn more about people's experiences that book for me was so helpful again, to put words to some of the things like I notice things that you do or, or notice even things that I do. And, and Devin had the really ability to put words to that. And I think that that was just tremendous in some of the research that we did for the keynote.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Love that book so much. Um, what about listening? Anything you've listened to recently? It could be a podcast, it could be an audiobook, It could be an album, music, anything.
1: Yeah. I love Adam Grant's um, podcast and It's all kinds of different topics. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm in the productivity lane and I listen to things in productivity, but I really love Adam Grant and the ability to just hear about all kinds of different topics. Also, his commercials in his podcast are great because he does them himself. So oftentimes you'll fast forward through the commercials. This is like, you want to listen to the commercials because he's been creative in how he does it. He tells a story about the company through the commercials. So I appreciate that.
0: That's awesome. I watch a a YouTube show called Some More News. Uh, It's amazing. it's like a Daily Show sort of thing, um, but but it's awesome. Anyway, uh, they do really hilarious commercials. So like every time they have a commercial on, they just do it their own way. Um, Anywho, uh, what's something you've watched recently that you want to share with people? What should people go watch? It could be a TED Talk, it could be a movie, it could be a TV show, it could be entertaining, informative, enriching, whatever you want.
1: Oh man, I have not been watching a lot of TV lately, but I would say I've been watching a little more stand-up comedy. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is because I am in a program, heroic public speaking, and and working on my performance skills as a public speaker. And so they told us to watch stand up comedy, and so it's been really one fun, but two, just I love you know how they tell a story and they bring a story to life and they use their body and their voices. So I've been watching a little more stand up comedy lately. And
0: any particular one you've watched recently? Could I, I have I like, a recommendation for you?
1: Oh please, I will. I like Sebastian Maniscalco. Plus he's a Chicago, a yeah. Chicago guy.
0: Okay. Um, have you ever watched any of James A. Caster's work? No. Okay. We're gonna pause here. God. Listeners, please, please, please heed my advice here. And Sarah, you too. James Acaster has four, I believe, four different stand-up specials on Netflix. And they are not only hilariously funny, and I don't want to set it up too much because I hate that whole thing, like, oh, it's hilarious. And you watch and you don't let, but Even if you don't find it funny, which I think you will, his performance, the way he does the show is some of the best comedy performance I've ever seen on stage. It's not like Bo Burnham. He's not playing music and doing different, but the way that he uses his body and timing and his movement and all of the different things that he does It is an absolute ride and all four of them are phenomenal and they're all different. So I love that. highly recommend, like put it at the top of your list. If that's part of your assignment and part of what you're doing, watch James Acaster's stuff. It is phenomenal.
1: Well, and to the point that, you know, we're working on this, this keynote and I think to just, having our different styles and, and having it more my way and your way, it, it makes it more exciting for the audience. We have a lot of contrast going on. We're mixing up our, our body movements and how we're doing things. I think it's just a tremendous, again, it enhances that experience, which is what we want. We're yeah. not boring. So we don't want our talk to be boring. We're it would never not. be.
0: <laughs> we're definitely not. All right. So one last thing. And then um, I want to close out talking about some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, And I'm going to ask you, uh, a question that I don't think I asked you the last time you were on, because I wasn't asking people yet, but um, what have you learned lately? Or it doesn't have to be lately. What's something you've learned that's interesting that you want to pass along? You want to share with people that you think would benefit people?
1: So much. I mean, uh, since uh, I am I a constant learner, <laughs> and a I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's something that's, um, you know, uh, oh every day, if you're not learning something every day, like come on, get with it. there's there's so much resource and availability to us to learn something new every day. Um, I think I'm learning more to like really recognize opportunity and and I my my new keynote that I'm working on myself is more about being uh, less busy and being more productive and living in abundance. and I am just learning to see it like I can see these opportunities just happening because I'm not stuck in email, stuck in zoom, stuck in chat all day. Like I'm able to really recognize and see opportunity. And I think that's just, that's just so exciting. And I look, I guess I, what I learned is that that exists, right? It sounds a little woo-woo, which I'm not a woo-woo person, but it's like, there's there's like cool stuff brewing. And I just want to be available for that.
0: Yeah. Because, and I'm super not woo-woo. I'm like so material and literal sometimes that it's like, I could probably stand to step outside the box a bit but um seeing opportunity really is a thing because it's so interesting that like just as a a weird example is that um my daughter she's a toddler toddlers can be rough right and i've noticed that if i'm sleepy or if i'm not sleepy the exact same thing that she does shows up differently for me right And that's just a simple little example. She might want to play if I'm really exhausted. I I, like, I don't have the patience. I'm short tempered. I'm irritable, whatever it might be. And like, she just wants to play. Right. And like, I have to kind of like snap myself out of that. And then there's like me in a good mood and she might be throwing a tantrum and I'm, I'm totally cool to be able to like be on her. Right. Like it's okay. Cool. Talk to me about it. Right. And it really, it's me in the way that I'm showing up in those moments. Right. So in the same way, opportunity is one of those things that some people just see it in all things. Um, I have a friend of mine who I won't name because uh, we did a thing i in this story, but uh, we were at a concert and we had like awful like lawn seats or whatever. And she's like, we're going to get front row for this next uh, this next act. And she was like, come on, let's go. And I was like, what? We don't have tickets. She's like, act like you belong. And like, we literally just, we like snuck in and we were like third row back for this band. She also snuck into the Cubs game seven world series just snuck in, just went right in and just kept walking, put her hat on, went go. And like, it was because, I mean, granted, these might be horrible examples of seeing opportunity, but the point is how you approach things, you, what you see as like what's possible changes based on your mindset. So I I really do appreciate that and, and believe that, that, you know, we do contribute to the number of opportunities we have. And that that's not to take away from the fact that some people get more opportunities than others. Some doors are closed for other people. So I'm not saying that, but I, I really do appreciate the, the idea that, we can cultivate a mindset of seeing opportunity.
1: I also, just to wrap that point up, I think that's why clients really like working with us because anybody can build them, you know, a simple Asana setup where you and I are like, what's bigger? What's better? What's yeah. new for that? Like, what could we increase and impact more? And so I think like, we're if we see something, we're not going to be like, oh, put it away. Like, let's not yeah. t- you and I are like let's do this and so I think you know we benefit but so do our clients and I think that that's been a really cool thing like we we just can't not see it and then uh, we got to tell you about it it
0: just made me think of an idea like literally right now that I have to tell you when we get off of the phone or when we get off of this podcast I just thought about it perfect and don't let me forget it just remind me that I had an idea and I will absolutely tell you about it it just had it right now um all right so final thing that I want to close out on is uh, I want to let people know about this thing that we're doing. So we have super productive, this amazing business that we started two years ago, and it is absolutely crushing, like better than anything I've ever done in my entrepreneurial career. And we barely market it. Like we literally do almost nothing. Uh, And somehow we have a full client roster, constantly new, new opportunities coming in, huge close rate. Like we're just crushing it, but we've never marketed ourselves. So this year, towards the end of last year and beginning of this year, we decided, hey, let's uh, let's sit down and maybe think about doing some marketing for ourselves. Expanded the team, and now we're thinking about doing those things. So one of the things that we've done is we've decided we're gonna start doing some blog posts and content. But the thing that I'm really excited about and I wanna talk about here is that we decided that we're going to do a twice a month podcast. Let's talk about that. What is the podcast? Why did we decide to do it? What are we gonna talk about? Are you ex- as excited about it as I am? Like, what's this podcast?
1: I'm so excited because every week we have so many ideas and I think to share those and, and like spread it around and like get these ideas out of our heads and out into the world is, a, is just a great thing and it's really fun so the podcast is the super productive podcast got Clevially the name named. from our got the name from our business but that's really what we're all about so you know it's not we're going to be talking about neurodiversity in the workplace we're going to be talking about productivity of course we're going to talk a little bit about asana all those things in our ecosystem. But I think the, the the through line of that is just making work better, making people happier at work. We spend so much time working that, you know, you and I say all the time, Jeff, we want to work with clients and people that we love to work with, that businesses that do work with align with our values and that we have fun with. You know, we, you spend so much time working. So the Super Productive podcast is really meant to be like, let's just make work better because we got to do it. Let's, let's make it as great as it can be.
0: Sweet. I I mean, I'm super excited about it. We've already got a couple topics uh, lined up and ready to go. I just made some cover art. We got to run our little contest to figure out if people like A or B. Um, But I'm really jazzed that we're going to be talking twice a week. So for listeners out there, if you enjoy month. Twice, that's what I meant, twice now, uh, <laughs> Listeners out there, if you like Shareable, if you like hearing my voice, if you like hearing Sarah's voice, um, you should come and tune into it. Uh, it is not yet live on the iTunes store, but it will be uh, by mid-March. We are planning to have this thing out and about, uh, and I'm really excited for us to be doing it. Uh, we're going to share all sorts of stuff about productivity. It gives us another place to talk about stuff, um, and I still plan to have you on Shareable now and again because I just I can't get enough of talking to you, even though we do it almost every day. You were out for like four days, and I was like, I felt so lost. So I'm really glad that that you're back and uh, I'm excited to do this podcast with you. So I want to close out on uh, two things Uh, real quick. Where can people go and find you specifically, personally, where can they connect with you and do your thing?
1: Yeah, so my website is so-productive.com and LinkedIn is a great place for me, Sarah Ohannison. And then on Instagram, so.productive.
0: Easy to find. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, So thing to close out on though is, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but uh, it's the gratitude question. And uh, it it sometimes uh, is heavy for people, uh, but uh, sometimes it's just really awesome. So here's how it works. I want you to get into a mindset of gratitude. I want you to think about the idea of being grateful for things. Um, But when I say lovable leader, I want you to think about who comes to your mind. And obviously, I don't want you to think about me because, you know, I wrote the book and, and we know each other. So I want you to think about somebody else, a lovable leader from your past, somebody that you worked with who clearly cared about you. It doesn't to be somebody you worked with. It can you just be somebody that was a leader in your life? They cared about you, obviously. It was somebody that you trusted. They took the time to make sure that there was trust in that relationship and that they always made you feel safe, but challenged you to do bigger and better things. That person, hopefully still with us and able to hear you, I want to just mute myself and let you talk directly to them. So this part of the show is for you to be grateful directly to them. So if they were to listen to it, it's you talking directly to them. I just want you to take as much or as little time as you want to just say thank you for the contribution they made in your life. If you want as much or as little detail as you want, but this is a moment of gratitude for you and somebody in your life who really filled that role of being a lovable leader. Oh, that's really cool,
1: Jeff. So I have a, I have a, Luckily, a few people I could choose from. Um, I would like to actually thank my aunt and uncle. I have an aunt and uncle who are very career-driven, um, fine examples of what it means to work hard. So my uncle served in the Navy for many years, went on to be an executive at at Boeing and, and various other organizations. And so I always saw this level of just extreme professionalism but mixed with this level of kindness. And then my aunt, who he's th- they're married, um, she was a Lutheran school principal for many years, which is a, it can be a thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a really a labor of love, but I saw them just devote so much to the people that they served. And so they were just fine examples to me of just hard work, working with compassion, amazing leaders, and people wanting to just do more and, and serve and work with them. So they have been just tremendous, uh, mentors to me but also real real lovable leaders in their in their individual spaces
0: All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Shareable. And uh, look, if it piqued your interest and you're interested to talk to us about Brains at Work uh, and having us come deliver this keynote for you, we would love to talk to you about it because the idea of creating safer work environments for everyone uh, is something that is very near and dear to our hearts. And we found a lot of value and success with it ourselves and also with our clients. So if you'd like to talk to us, it's actually really easy, really, really easy. You're just going to send an email to speaking at get productive. Dot com speaking at get superproductive.com whatever you want to put in the subject line whatever you want to put in the body just let us know that you're interested in talking we'll set up a call see if it's right for you and if it is we're going to come and rock that stage or that zoom whichever it is so tell me what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode send me a message or hit me up on social media i'm easy to find but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy seriously i'd love to hear from you If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.